Welcome to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. About health and sex education in today's modern classroom. Get an inside peek into the world of sex education and real life stories from teachers. Hosted by experienced educators Drew and Dr. G, each episode brings you an open and honest discussion about a range of topics related to health and sex education. Follow us on Spotify, podcasts on Apple, or our YouTube channel, Sex Ed in the City. Stay connected. We hope to see you soon. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. We are so excited to be here with you for another week. Hi, Drew. Hi, Dr. G. How's it going? How's life? You know, life is lifing. It's good. It's good. I'm coming to New York on Friday, so I'm excited about that. It's about time. I feel like I missed yeah. you last time you were here. Yeah, you did. Rude. Cool. Well, <laughs> let's not keep our guest waiting. Our first guest yes. of season two. We're super stoked to have our friend, colleague, sex ed rock star extraordinaire, Angie. Let me introduce them quickly. Angie Foster Lawson is an educator, parent, and government employee. Their day job is to make public school a better place for queer and gender expansive kids and adults. Welcome to the podcast, Angie. Thank you so much. So nice to be here. Oh, back together again. (laughs) Right? The trifecta is back. Oh, that was a good time of life when Mm -hmm. it was really like the three of us solid. That was nice. Little slice, little slice of time. Mm-hmm. It was, was a good so time. fun. Oh my god, I take for granted. Like, for for those listening, Angie was did their practicum at Bard, so student teaching together. I learned so much from you. I still use so many of your your lessons and ideas and your slides. It was such a short time, but it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And we work together. You are definitely like resource extraordinaire. Like anything, I'll be like, do you know this, that you have it like in 0.2 seconds? I'm always in awe of that because that's something like I I have like a makeshift version, but you're so good about it. Like, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to look at, I don't know, like to point people in the right direction and connect. I feel like I'm a connector. I don't know. That's like Mm. if I were to write one, one word to describe myself, like my favorite thing is like talking to people or like even at like the checkout line and like any little way I can. So I think sharing resources is just such a nice way to do that because probably someone has already curated something amazing or made a toolkit or wrote a book or yeah, yeah especially children's books because there's so many like distilled messages that you know those authors spent like, you know, months, years thinking yeah. about like crystallizing it to this like one idea and it's like, oh, I want to share that. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh my gosh. Our listeners are so lucky. Can't wait to hear all the stuff you have to share. Um, are we ready for our question of the day? Yes. I think this is kind of a tough one. So I'm going to oh, make goodness. it like a two parter. I'll give you like a one. And if you can't answer that, go to the other. Okay. okay. First question, which I found tough is, has there ever been a villain that you've secretly cheered for or rooted for? Like in the movies or in real life? Either or. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, I couldn't think of one. I feel I feel like I, I very much root for them, but apparently not. If you don't have one, then maybe who is your favorite villain? 
<laughs> oh gosh. Wait, do you have one, Rachel? Because this is I tough. think I have one. I don't know if it's like a villain. It's a little bit of like pop culture controversy. Ooh. Ooh, okay. But um, when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oster Oscars and people were like, violence is never the answer. And I was like, sometimes it is and I was I was not mad at him I I mean not that I think that was like I'm like mm, I don't really like that's not the vibe but I was like well there's more to that story than we the regular people know about and so I was like you know what there's something else going on there to make someone do that and I'm not mad at him so I was I was team Will Smith and also the Chris Rock special when he talked about it, I didn't think it was funny. So I'm like, oh, well. So I guess that's my, that's my that's pop culture villain answer. that I was yeah. on his side. That was like a very big, that was so surprising. I remember that happening. We were all kind of just like, Ugh. Yeah. I did think of one. So mine is that I'm kind of, it's the same, I'm like villain, but I'm rooting for, um, and this is from a children's book because so I'm going to explain the children's book. It's, um, it's called Reading Beauty by Deborah Underwood, illustrated by, um, oh no. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'll find it. But the point it's like, um, it's in a series of, uh, classic, uh, fairy tales re like Disney princess type um, books reimagined and like a little bit more feminist a little more inclusive way and this one is about um, reading like Sleeping Beauty but it's about books and so there's like a cursed book but the the fairy who is the evil villain in the story is it placed the curse because she couldn't read and she thought she hadn't been invited to the ball at the christening of this little baby so she put a curse on the baby and then that baby grew up to be 15 and like discovered that the reason why she had placed the curse was because she couldn't read so she's like I'll teach you and then she teaches her and the fairy becomes the librarian and it's like <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know I think of so Alok Edmanan the poet and amazing like non-binary you know, activist, actor, just everything. And they are always talking about how like the person who's hurting the most hurts everyone else, right? And so the villain, yeah. the villain probably just has some needs that we can just meet them with some yeah. love. So I don't oh, know. I love that. <laughs> Reading beauty, that's adorable. And yeah, you see this a lot with Disney movies now. They make these spinoffs on just the villains and they have here's your origin story i love origin stories it's like a memoir my favorite type of book love it i would love to be a villain like i think that i think it's so fun i think they're so badass okay mine Wait, is pretty, who's, yeah who's yeah mine's yours? mine's pretty basic i was like i you would be basic. So i'm just kidding <laughs> so basic i i thought back to my disney days and which ones i liked and i really liked the movie hercules and i always kind of felt bad for hades did you ever see this movie uh all i remember is like the hot all all the characters were so hot the <laughs> hottest animated like the queer origin story of so many people i know were <laughs> including yours truly right there yeah. that's why he's like of all i gender. loved hercules yes. hercules was a babe Zeus i don't remember the story though i just remember yeah. the various people were all hot in their different ways and was like yes okay <laughs> yes. hades 
was brothers with Zeus and like Zeus got all the power and sent Hades down to the underworld. So Hades tries to get revenge. Like he he's upset, but he has a, he's not like a mean, mean villain. He has like a good sense of humor, which is why I liked him. Love that. Love it. <laughs> I mean, uh, mean people that are funny. It's just mm-hmm. so much better when there's humor involved. True. True that. Angie. We are so excited to have you on today. Uh, we brought up all these topics you could talk about. And Dr. G and I were super excited about your knowledge and experience with gender expansive parenting. So we'd love to gear the conversation that way. But maybe tell us a little, tell us and our viewers a little bit about who you are, about your journey yeah. to where you are right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm trying to think of like, I was born in Michigan, Midwest. Um, so, you know, casseroles, lots of hugging, non, non-consensual <laughs> hugging, we're, we're learning, we're trying to teach the Michigan uh, fam that <laughs> the children don't need to do the hugs if they don't want to. That's a little sex ed. I mean, there's, there's sex ed and health ed and everything, right? So I'm in hindsight, I'm thinking about things later. Um, but yeah, I grew up in, in Michigan in the suburbs and the sex ed I remember there was, um, about ketamine. It was all drug and alcohol prevention. I don't, I have no memory of the actual sexuality part I'm like I don't know why my one takeaway was a drug I had never been offered like that was just not helpful information so I moved I was a graphic designer that was my first career moved to New York City was working for a bit and just felt like oh I'm so I want to talk to people more like why am I um why am I doing this job that I feel like so you know out of touch short it's all pushing pixels around. And so I have a soft spot for it, but I ended up going back to school because I read Girls and Sex by Peggy Ornstein. And there was a chapter at the very end that had a sex educator. And I was like, whoa, you could do that? Like, could you imagine my life would be different, right? Like violence I had experienced would not have occurred because I would have known I can say no. I don't have to even put myself in the situation in the first place, right? Like all these things that would have like backtrack prevented weird stuff from happening just the empowerment of sex ed was such a big part of that shift and so gosh I um my my grad school cohort really really pushes my like jokes with me and and called me out for always like just like wow like I just was always like learning everything like a sponge and they just kept joking I kept saying like I'm how I'm feeling after that lesson was just my eyes are wide open. Like I am learning all the things I did not learn about any of this growing up. I felt like broken in my own identity. So I came out as asexual because of grad school, came out as queer, like realized like, oh, I've been like phoning in and making up attraction crushes from like a really young age like didn't actually experience that like I can look at something and go ooh, cute yes I like that style I think you're beautiful the aesthetic piece there was no like physical reaction romantic kind of feeling reaction a little bit of romantic reaction but really you know kind of that was like a big explosive realization that kind of shifted the studies I did with my human sexuality, masters of education, really focused on ACE inclusion. How do we do that in schools? How can students like me know that they're not broken, that they don't have to do things they don't want to do, that peer pressure to have these like first sexual milestones should not define their like personhood or their worth, right? The never have I ever games that you're asked to play, just all of these really mm-hmm. important kind of foundational pieces that 
clicked into place. Um, and then I, you know, do 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 worked for in New York City for a bit, doing at the New York City Department of Ed. It was a student teacher with you for a bit. So trying to get in the classroom Blessed. and then figured like, where do I want to go? Right. So I moved to Oregon and I ended up getting um, a sex ed job with the Department of Ed in Oregon. And so I was able to kind of keep growing my my own like work and get get involved with students do a lot of professional development lgbtq inclusion ace inclusion specifically and then i became a parent um and and when i was pregnant and when i had my first kid that was like pandemic baby completely like i was like they're not going to know they're going to think i stole my baby cuz they couldn't see me be pregnant you know it was so funny mm -hmm. um so after i had my baby i was kind of like oh, I am not a woman. <laughs> like I am constantly now and throughout my pregnancy, which didn't really click until I had the baby in my arms is I'm like mother, mother, mothered woman, woman, woman. And it was just like, oh, like, I don't think I've ever been aggressively this gendered. Like, I don't think anyone has ever come at me so hot with like, this is the ultimate, the right of a woman to birth a child. I'm like air quoting, if you can't see, you know, like a really a, um, a message that didn't resonate with me. And I kept thinking, wow, every blog, every app, everything about pregnancy and parenting and childbirth is so hetero, so cis, so one story right so not affirming and I kept thinking I'm such a good ally like yeah I'm queer but I'm married to a man and I thought at the time like I'm just such a good cis ally and it was like actually you wanted the books to re reflect your experience Angie so I, I kind of came to that realization that I needed more and once I was able to fit myself into that it was like oh that makes so much sense so it's been a journey along the way and so now my oldest is three and I have another little baby at home mm. and we have really like deconstructed a lot of the gendered moments and decisions that you make and it can be such I mean from the time that you someone finds out you're having a baby the first question they ask right is it a boy mm. or a girl mm -hmm. do you know what you're having I'm like I think I'm having a baby I hope they're healthy. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of takes us to the present. I'm my job is now at uh, the same agency, but focused on LGBTQ inclusion instead. So I think about like the broader picture of how students are doing, how their families are doing. And I just think there's this. Um, well, I think like a lot of my work focuses on supporting LGBTQ families and students, I think there's the piece of it that as parents who are queer and trans, we're mm. often like, you know, you still walk into the pediatrician and they're like, hey, mom and dad, hey, even even if you're queer, like, hey, mom and mom, they just have no, like the language that's being used in every space is so binary. So it's like, I don't know, my journey now is like, oh, how many conversations of, of correcting people do I want to have this week? Do I want to like, and how do I approach it? And it can I be gentle? Like, I don't want to show that I'm exasperated, but it is a little bit silly that you can't just say, hey, you're a big kid now. So you can use the big kid scale to my toddler, right? They're saying, oh, you're a princess and you can, you can wear the, you know, we're going to measure your head. It'll be like a princess crown. You know, mind you, my child wants to use he, him pronouns, but wears dresses. So is all over the map with gender creativity. So that's kind of what I'm bringing in is my like background story and 
I can just like jump right in, but I'm curious if there's something y'all are like stood out that you want to like dive more into any questions about that, that you want to start with. I have tons of questions about write a parenting. Book. <laughs> well, I have tons of questions Go about ahead. parenting for our listeners that I think they're going to be really interested in. Um, so, but my first question is really about, about, and feel free to not answer any questions that we answer, ask, but I'm really curious as to how um, you and your partner went, go like went about having conversations about how you're going to raise your kids in respect to gender and what some of those conversations look like and where was there if at all like tension and how did you work through that because I think that that's a big part of people that are partnered when they're having children of especially if things have changed over a period of time and how to navigate those conversations and those sticking points yeah yeah really good question um if you both know me, like, so, you know, I'm all about a Google, I'm all about a spreadsheet, I'm coding stuff. So what I did to process my feelings when I got pregnant pretty early on, far before the baby shower happened, was I made a baby shower FAQ. I was like, this is how I will answer the inevitable. What is the baby's sex? What is the baby's gender? Because those are different. Do do you want to give us any clothes? please just don't give up, you know, like patterns, colors, like any style is fine. There's no need to, you know, but we don't want things that say like heart future heartbreaker or all these like weird messages. So there were some clear things that were like decision points. Well, when I was pregnant that I was like, Ooh, I'm going to have words for my family members who are certainly going to ask me those really common questions. I just don't want to like get into it. So I'm going to put a link to this FAQ on my baby shower invite, because I really was like, I want you to know baseline where our family is coming from. And that just like felt right to both of us. We're like, yeah, I mean, the heart of those questions too, of what's the sex? Well, we're not finding out. That was just our answer, right? We didn't find out. It was a surprise because we just hope the baby's healthy. We don't really, we're not putting stock in or having, we're trying not to have expectations about that baby before we know them. And even once we know them, we want to be really open about the language we use because that kid can't tell us who they are for a long time. Right. And so we kind of were like one, one children's book, uh, which is called, um, um oh I'm gonna um okay I'll think of it it's called it has um a gender wheel in the back I think it's like who are you or something like really simple like that but one of the messages I think in we it, just yeah, read that I, yeah I will I will Let make sure that any of the books that we mentioned I can ha- I can like find links to if that's helpful for people mm-hmm. later but um it is it has you know you best and I think about that all the time. If we can just tell kids, no matter how young they are, no matter how all over the place, how fluid, how excited or subtle, or no matter how long they've been determining something about themselves, if we just say, well, I believe you and I love you because you know you best, then like, I mean, a lot of things could be better. And so I think that's where we started from was we want to pick a name or a couple of middle names, just give a little gender flexibility. We want to think about holding on loosely to those. If our child wants to change their name, I don't even want to have an existential crisis about it, right? That like, 
I hope that parenting is moving away from the grief that a lot of parents feel about their kids when they come out. Like, I get that. You have all these expectations, but why did you have the expectations? Couldn't we imagine a queer future where we just expect that some people are going to be queer and some people will be straight and we don't have to assume there's this one path. And so I think like those were a lot of the conversations we were having about like wanting to make sure that along the way our child was going to be able to come to us and tell us who they are. They were going to have clothes of all kinds, dresses, pants, patterns, pink, blue, you know, you name it. Um, and they were going to have all the toys and we weren't going to say things like you're our boy or you're our girl. We were just going to say kid and child. That's how we we're going to talk about other people. So along the way, we're talking about that person over there at the park in the blue shirt, that kid climbing up there. They're, they have long hair. That's the one I'm talking about. Like, we don't have to say boy, girl, man, woman when we see people who we don't know. Right. And so those some, some of those fundamental lessons started with with those early conversations when I, when I was pregnant and then kind of transitioned into how our like parenting philosophy and it's tough to like do that in a world like you're still going to get questions about like well you know my my child is he him pronouns but has not said I'm a boy or a girl and so he just says I'm just me that's his answer right now he's three and he says, I'm, and then he like says his full name, like including his two middle names and his hyphenated last name. So he writes, oh, so cute. I am, and then says his five names. I'm just me. That's my answer. And I'm like, that's such a beautiful thing. Right. But people yeah. at the park, people at the library, the kids who are just curious ask, they say, well, are you a boy or a girl? And I'm like, I don't even know if my kid understands that binary super strongly because we haven't like placed a lot of stock in it. And that's kind of where, where he's at now. That's awesome. That's so beautiful. Oh my God. <laughs> Imagine that was just like the world. Yeah. We're getting to this point. Like we're taught, we're dealing. I, Angie, that book you just brought up, we, ju I just read to my ninth graders and I was like, this is how we can have these combos with young people. It that has the wheel in the back. So I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. we're talking about the same one. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we, we have the discussion, like, what would it be like if we weren't doing all this unlearning as adults and mm -hmm. feeling constrained? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, you know what it makes me think of, too, is I was having a conversation with a family member who was a little concerned that I was making my child create gender expansive right basically like the argument of like you're making your kids trans of course your kid is going to want to use because for a while he was wanting to use they them pronouns he said I want to use they them like mama because he calls me mama even though I like to be called parent by other people and I'm like yeah sure you can use they them I don't even know how long that's going to stick but like sure like I'm going to affirm you every step of the way and I think the argument of like but aren't you assuming by buying dresses and you're, aren't you kind of like saying like, yay, you're wearing a dress. Aren't you kind of making him wear dresses? Like, would he really have wanted? And I'm like, well, here's the thing. If you say I'm okay with him wearing a dress, but only if he takes it from his older sister's room because it's available, then you're not really okay with him wearing a dress. You're okay with the really specific circumstance that there was a socially acceptable dress in the house and you're gonna affirm it when he's in the house, but when he starts to want to wear it outside, you're gonna have some feelings about it. 
I have no such feelings. I'm buying a dress and I'm offering the dress. And there was a long time he had no interest in any dresses. He was just wearing leggings and t-shirts because that's was what was comfortable. But like he can pick his own clothes now. And then there was a dress moment. And sometimes he wears them, sometimes he doesn't. And so it's just this idea of like, what I want is actually to say no. And any any time you can wear a dress and you don't have to, right? You get to decide how you present your like beautiful self to the world. But I think there's this fear that we are, that this gender open, gender expansive parenting idea is like bias, like in favor of queerness or making our kids queer. And I'm just like, but wait, at every step of the way, I was expected to partner with a man, to bring home a boy, to get married eventually, have kids, like this hetero cis dream that my family had for me. And they still say things like, oh, do you have any boys you like? I'm like, you're expecting a sexual orientation that's straight. You're expecting a gender that's cis. And sorry, but those are the same. Those parents are making all those decisions for their children, especially early on. You're buying only blue things or gray, maybe for boys, for assigned boys. You're For assigned girls, you're buying the head bow that like is real tight around this little baby's head because you don't want anyone to not know that baby has a vulva. And I just think how silly. If you like the bow, put the bow on. It's adorable. But like, do we need to know? what the sex assigned is right now. Like, I I think that the argument that you're making your kid gender expansive by offering those things is, lo is not looking at the obvious preference towards binary gender decisions that cis and straight parents are making every day, that an industry of, of clothing and toys is profiting from every day, right? Being reinforced every day. Yeah. I think a lot about, um, people that pierce, um, the baby's ears and that drives me crazy. Cause I'm like, whoop, they don't want their ears pierced, yeah. but it's also a very cultural thing, right? In mm -hmm. certain cultures, like you pierce the, that's like, you do that. It's a very important thing or there's like the bracelet. And so I find myself often, um, thinking about that when I'm, you know, what part of these, like, really like cultural rites of passage that people do that are related to gender and assigned sex and, and all of these things. Um, but yeah, the ear piercing is something I'm, I just never, I'm like, but what if the child does not want pierced ears? And I feel the same about uh, when people um, circumcise uh, folks, uh, regardless of their genitals. I'm like, can we just not remove people's parts of their bodies or put holes in their bodies unless until they get old enough to decide if they want that mm -hmm. um, but it's so ingrained in folks yeah and of course have to shout out since we're saying that intersex advocates yeah not wanting unnecessary surgeries for intersex exactly. that's a huge part of this that like you know, yeah. parents, I think, get in pretty bad situations, right? They think the doctor's saying you must do this. It's for the health you of your child. You have to choose, yeah. basically. Yeah. That's the pressure mm -hmm. of parenthood is real. I have a lot of compassion yeah. for parents who are making these little yeah. and big decisions every day because you're trying to do right by your kid, right? And so yeah. I think the other thing that comes up when I talk to family members when they're questioning or 
wondering about my parenting is they're saying, you know, like, well, am I wrong then for doing it this other way, right? For dressing my kids as boys in track suits and t-shirts and basketball shorts and offering them these certain sports or whatever, right? Along the way, haircuts that I'm saying, of course, I'm going to cut their hair short and, and all these things. And it's like, no, you're not wrong. Like until your child is telling you, I am not cis and I do not want my haircut and you are refusing to support them. They have to get kicked out of the house or have, you know, bad mental health outcomes. I'm not judging you in, in, until that point, really, as a person who is trans, right? Like you're doing the best you can with the information and the mm -hmm. culture around you that's in reinforcing and punishing you even for doing creative gender things. But but the reason why kids have to feel afraid to tell their parents is because of those expectations. So no, you're not doing anything wrong, but the less we do that earlier on, the easier it's going to be for all trans kids everywhere to know that they can be loved and they'll be themselves and that there are people who will support them. And so it's like, no, like, of course, it's a spectrum. I think that a lot of people are not going to fall as intensely queer in every decision like my family. But I think that is, these are messages and ideas that we could we could stand to weave more into the norm for parents, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think sometimes parents are afraid because of you know parents are judged at every single turning mm -hmm. point but there's even like very what would seem to be small things that people can do but they can make the world of difference just like you can play with any toy or you can wear any color just like those two seemingly small things have can have such a big impact i remember watching something Obama was doing a Christmas something and he had to separate the toys between boy and girls. And I very specifically remember this moment where he was like, well, the girls can play with these basketballs. The girls can do this. And it was like, everyone's like, oh, <laughs> and then it's like, uh, and anyone can play with any of the toys. Like the fact <laughs> that it's so sectioned, even the toys is so ridiculous. Yeah. There's a book, um, another book I love, it's just called Pink and Blue and You. It's a book about gender stereotypes for young kids. And it feels so weird to even read it to my toddler because we haven't like had these at home, but I know he's going to be encountering these binary ideas of a girl should do this, a boy should do this, right? But like we read so many queer, non-binary and like, you know, expansive uh, books about kids. We have like, you know, so many different ideas that we're nourishing. So, but when I read the book, that's like, if there's, it's hilarious. There's one page at the beginning that says like, who made these rules? And then it shows a picture of a dinosaur and he's like, when I go extinct, I want to be a toy for boys. And it's like, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, why is the dinosaur the mascot of masculinity for young kids? It's the strangest kind of thing. And yeah. yet, here we are, right? The dinosaurs yeah. are now coming in pink shades. So girls can wear them ostensibly or so boys can yeah. wear dinosaurs, but also pink. But I'm like, but why is it only dinosaurs? Like, what about squids and like, like yeah. squirrels or whatever? I don't know. Like any animal. It's so silly. To <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, just wild. Like, 
it feels like liberation honestly raising a child this way just it's just allowing them to be themselves and I totally hear that point about like other parents like are you like forcing this on them but it, it to me it sounds like it's just like thinking outside that binary altogether which is so so beautiful and I think a lot of people can think about I don't know there's very vivid memories in my childhood of like my gender stuff I'm sure we all have that where it's like this was okay and you can push it sometimes but you can't go too far because mm-hmm. then you get shamed yeah and that's not fun and it doesn't sound like that happens in this type of parenting yeah well I'm thinking about you know another thing that parents often say is but I don't want my child to be bullied right and so yes you can create this amazing home in your bubble but unless you're homeschooling and they never leave they're going to go into the world where there is the binary and there is all of this so what are your suggestions for parents that want to maybe lead you know a household of similar values as yours but also their children might go to public school and be encountering all of this stuff like what is your advice and what have maybe you gone through I know your children are still young but what would you say to people that ask that question that's a really good question we you know I think that um I think about one of my nibblings who went to uh kindergarten first day of kindergarten picked out like jeans really crisp cuffed at the bottom with a t-shirt and she was so stoked she was like this is the outfit I want and then immediately she gets to school and they're like, are you a boy? Well, why aren't you wearing a dress? And then she wore dresses. I mean, she still does almost every single day since then. And I mm-hmm. wanted to strangle those little children. And this is in Brooklyn. This is like, you know, I'm sure there are tons of gender creative kids around. So like, I recognize how strong of an influence your peers have on you. And probably also it's true is that dresses feel good for her, right? That like, that is a girl who is down with dresses, I hope. And I know she's got, you know, so just thinking about this idea that um, those rigid structures, I think get even hard more hardened in that early elementary years where it's like black and white concrete thinking right right and wrong like kids are trying to like but I have to know the rules so I know what I can do and what I can't do and that's a normal developmental kind of thing for them but I think that we all have to as adults in children's lives in any capacity whether we're like friends our kids our friend you know kids people we know have kids that we're just the friends that show up at dinner, whether we're aunties and uncles and other kinds of parent figures or whether we're parents ourselves, like we have to take responsibility for interrupting those moments of bias, those expectations, those assumptions, right? And open and foster that idea that um, sex positive parenting with the one minute talks has, right? This like many, many, many one minute talks where you are able to give your children scripts to talk through these kinds of little moments that happen to challenge things along the way to say, I can't change how other people are going to react, but I can tell you that I will love you no matter who you are, exactly as you are. And let's talk about why those rules exist. Let's talk about how laws have changed over time. Let's talk about how culture changes, like, you know, age appropriate, right? For my toddler, I'm not necessarily having these big existential conversations, but he does get asked in class, like, are you a boy Mm. or a girl? And so he is asked to, I don't know, like 
stake like lay claim or like be I don't know like um put on the spot I guess and so I just I'm trying to think about how the messages I share won't limit him but will explain that everyone has different ideas every family has different you know cultural norms or traditions that they want to like lean into and get excited about and that this is how our family does it right and how can we support one another I just think because because adults exist those ideas are going to get to children because their parents and families and the messages around are going to seep in and the children who are expansive will be questioned on it and the kids are all right they are queer they are, yeah, they are. much higher numbers than we are as in like in our generations right it's changing mm-hmm. like we just know that and so i think it's more important for parents to focus on um, affirming their own children and being being prepared to interrupt those moments of bias and not in a harsh way in like an educating way like oh great question actually my kid hasn't told me yet if they're a boy or a girl but we use he him pronouns does that help what did you notice about about my kid that made you wonder like that is so interesting oh is it because is it because he's wearing a dress like yeah we just think you know he liked the dress and he picked it out this morning what do you think about the pattern? You know, like, like kind of leaning into curiosity and not necessarily like making other parents feel ashamed for these norms or ideas that they hold. But we should all be prepared to push back gently and say, this doesn't work for us as a culture, as a big C, like everyone in the world culture, because it can hurt people. And if we know that idea can hurt someone, then we should take responsibility for pushing at it a little bit yeah I love that how you said leaning into curiosity and framing it with like questions because I think that uh, not many times people are do come with a defensiveness and that's understandable like someone's talking mm-hmm. about my kid now we're fighting right mm-hmm. so but it's kind of a way to shift and to lean into that to because when we come defensive defensive then another person will get defensive but if we lean into curiosity that allows folks chance to maybe learn and and not that people are responsible for other people's learning and it's also really nice to have an exchange that is positive and leads to like expansion of thought then closes down thought and closes down communication Drew, I'm wondering what you're thinking about right now. I'm just like processing everything. <laughs> um, Angie, how do you feel about, uh, what are they called? Gender reveals. I feel not good about gender <laughs> reveals. <laughs> I mean, one of my other favorite podcasts is called Gender Reveal, but it's like a tongue-in-cheek gender reveal. It's not actually about gender mm. reveals. It's about it's interviews with trans people, essentially, which is amazing if you haven't listened. But um, no, I think, I mean, I think that the idea of wanting to celebrate something like creating a human in your body is pretty amazing. Bodies are cool. Another children's book that's amazing. The central message, of course, is that bodies are cool all bodies right fat skinny skin color differentials like different abilities Mm -hmm. different like prosthetics just so much representation in that book but I think um 
I don't know, gender reveals is like this idea of celebrating this beautiful like idea you have for your child. And I just think, why does it have to be about their gender, right? Like, I understand that people want to have that moment. It's almost like because it's a tradition, you don't want to like not have a party. Like, don't tell me not to have a party. Like, don't, you know, like that's so like, is it really that big of a deal? And it's like, again, for most kids who end up being cis, sure, whatever, you celebrated the sex assigned. Mm. But what other decisions are you going to be making if you're having a gender reveal that is going to like, potentially cause more harm if your kid ends up being trans and that's just not a risk I'm willing to take like why would I want my to cause my child anguish and feeling like they can't tell me some essential part of themselves and to me creating those rigid structures and binaries along the way can just potentially make your child feel like they can't trust you later and so you know not a not a fan. There's so no, much I, more we can celebrate. They're also awful. The gender reveals <laughs> people like what makes me mad about is the clear disappointment you see on certain people's Ooh. faces. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. like uh, that's the part. I mean, yes, all of that you said. I'm not saying that's not part, but also like if this child what if this person watches this someday, they're gonna feel horrible Mm -hmm. and why are we so wrapped up in only being happy based on someone's penis or vagina or combination having like and like what other questions could be asking yeah like like when i people would see me and they would um, the only question that we ask is oh do you know if it's a boy or a girl and i'm like i just think that's so uninteresting and not important Mm. like why don't you ask like, ooh, have you picked a name yet? Because that is such an interesting thing that we get to name our children. What a powerful thing, right? Their name can be a story. It can be about our ancestors. It can be creative and you can change the spelling. It can be cultural. It can be, and yet like, you're only asking me about this one thing. I just think it's not interesting. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) Like, yeah. Always being asked. I try to think, I'm curious if you have any info on this as well, Angie. Like, I'm imagining this, well, I think it's so, I don't know. Do you work with parents at all or like people who are curious about this? I would love to hear about that. And also, I'm imagining that a lot of parents are like figuring this out. Like, this is probably a much better way or more inclusive way to parent. And like, what that conversation is like potentially for people who have like parented with the gender binary and are now like trying to make that pivot yeah I mean a lot of the parents I end up seeing I don't have like in my in my day job I'm not in touch with a lot of parents specifically because I'm more like supporting district staff teachers like administrators that sort of level Um, But I do, I am a part of just like the local parent of LGBTQ students group. So it's a group of parents who are Mm -hmm. mostly cis or straight, but have queer and trans kids. And it's so fun to be able to like 
meet them where they're at and really understand where they are and what they're feeling and going through and like really like holding them so much compassion for that that they want to like show up to support their kid and it can feel like they there's too many terms or there's too many things to like understand so when i think about that early early you know years and and could we do it differently it's just hard to like have those conversations until you have a kid who's come out i just think there's not a lot of spaces that like i would hope that straight ancestral people would be outraged as actual allies taking action against these abhorrent laws that are trying to restrict families right to make decisions with their kids about trans medical procedures or even hormones or even just delaying puberty that's the little like or even just using the name they want their kid to use right these moments of support that are being attacked politically that it's a huge part of the right platform now that like republicans are using that as like a calling card to like unite against lgbtq people i just think how horrible that we're like backsliding in this tsunami right now. And so our parents seeing, ooh, how could I? Well, of course, I believe in gay marriage. I mean, that was so long ago. Of course, I mean, gay people, of course, right? But where does that end? Where is that tension point? What things are you still doing that are going to like cause um, kids to just have this feeling of like fear or not, of lack of acceptance? And I think about this like, the re people's reaction when I tell them I use they them pronouns because I'm not always like hey, Angie they them I mean like that's weird people don't talk like that right <laughs> hey so I'm like I'm, I'm I had this interaction with a neighbor the other day and I've, I've talked to this guy like many times and he's just like really nice we like have these chats he like knows the names of my kids he like wants to like know each other it's really nice it's like neighborhood vibes so I was on a run the other day and I was wearing my hoodie that or my sweatshirt that said trans people will always exist and I was just on my run with my headphones in, but I see him. And so I stop and I say hello. And he goes, oh, wait, what does your sweatshirt say? And so we get talking and I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I'm non-binary. I use they, them pronouns. And he's like, but, uh, uh, but, but you're so nice. And, and you, uh, um, and you, you have kids. And I'm like, yeah, I am a parent and thanks that I'm nice. But what is the, what's the message that you're telling me is that, you are surprised that a nice person like me mm. could be a parent and be trans like yikes that is rough like i'm like okay i'm gonna keep going on my run but you have to live with that reaction you just had <laughs> but the problem is i kind of think he thought he was doing a good job with it i kind of think he could mm. he like no but i have one trans employee so like yeah totally but then once i told him i use they them pronouns he was like spiraling like his his world was crumbling around him. He had assumed I was this straight cis person married to a man with two kids. Like he had crafted this story for me without knowing me. And then I had to kind of really be like, oh, your foundation is not accurate. Let's rebuild that. I'm going to share this with you now mm -hmm. and see your reaction is not great. So like, I guess what I'm saying to answer your question is like, I don't know that there are a lot of people, unless you have queer and trans kids in your life or people in your life, if you realize the impact that you are having on your own children, just even in the onset before they would come out as anything, 
that like you're creating a foundation where it can go one way or the other. And so what I'd love to see is like, ooh, this is bad. This is a bad situation right now for queer and trans kids. There's like skyrocketing suicide rates, all these horrible like stress anxiety just from watching the news in their states that are, and then let alone taking away their rights to medical care, to sports, to these like tiny moments of joy that all kids deserve. So I want to see parents actually take action. And that can look like these little small moments where you have a conversation with your kid like, hey, are other kids talking about that at school? Is anyone talking about the anti-LGBTQ laws? Do you know what's going on around that? Do you ever hear kids make like negative comments? Like, I just want you to know, like, that can really hurt someone. Let's talk about that. And that would be middle or high school age conversation or elementary, late elementary, but Gosh, yeah, it's tough. Parenting is not easy. And I I really salute people that do it. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I have it in me. Well, I do know. I do not have it in me. That choice has been made. Um, but I really salute parents because there's so much to think about at any given moment. And parents are still also their own people going through their own life journey at the same time. And so shout out to you because you're having all the extra learnings and teachings to do (laughs) to everyone for everyone um, and parent and be yourself and be your, have your own journey and find your own joy. So I just give Mm -hmm. you so much props and love. for just being you. Thanks. You're an amazing human. <laughs> Did you, when you were coming, sorry, I'm like bombarding you with questions. When you were figuring out this is how you wanted to raise your kids, did you read any books or was this more like because of your background and education, like you just kind of like intuitively knew what to do? I did have a like I was trying to find some books like especially about pregnancy early on so the one that I was really able to find that used totally open language about birthing people pregnant people not really having that binary was um um do I have it here no I think it's in my other room it's like why did no one tell me this it's a book written by two doulas and it's really queer and trans affirming of people of all genders there's also of course the series of um what makes a baby sex is a funny word you know sex that kind of like has all of those questions about like exploring yourself affirming others like what do you think like it really puts it really asks back towards the child about like telling their own story looking inward and I think every adult could stand to look at that like my my partner and I have both Mm. looked at that and thought whoa I don't even know if I have answers to these amazing depth in-depth questions right um the one book I'm thinking of that's about gender expansive parenting specifically um I I think there are a couple but one is is newer it's um Lynn's Amer they're a 
they have like a, a YouTube series that's really meant for like really young kids, which is one of the only ones I know. It's it's called a queer kid stuff, I think. And so they just wrote a book about queer affirming parenting. And I'm totally blanking on the name of it. I did just buy it and just started it. So I'm not, I haven't read a ton of it. There's also another book. Um, and again, gosh, I'm really horrible with the names of books, but I can do a Google or, and we can find them. But there's um, a family in Portland that uh, the uh, trans man kind of wrote his experience of being pregnant and of having a family and of kind of like the journey of their family. And so the, there are some of these like memoir experiences where you can kind of, I could find myself like reflecting on that, feeling that. Um, but a lot of it has just been like in community, just talking to other people or just talking to my own partner and just the two of us being like, gosh, like, what do you think? And how do you feel about that? You know, like, because when when my child says like I want to use they them pronouns like mama I'm like so we're gonna do that right like just like later on with my partner like kids not listening anymore I'm like so I'm gonna start using a little bit of they them pronouns because our kid asked for it because that's what we said we would do like moment of truth time right like three years ago we talked about how we would do this and it does feel harder and we can kind of think about like, do we always want to do that? If we feel unsafe, if we're in a park that we don't really know in an area that seems like it could be leaning a different way, do I want to like be out to those people? Maybe not, right? Like there might be times where I make different decisions. Um, so yeah, there's, I don't know. I think there, I think there's a lot more like K-12, especially middle and high school resources for kids I just think that early, those early years is a little bit harder to find. So I think Lynn's Amer and that queer kid stuff is some of the like earliest age kind of like expanding your parenting ideas earlier on that I've found. Giving us all the resources. We can put yes. all of these books in the, the show notes. I've been writing yes. them down, but I know I missed awesome. like a ton of them. <laughs> Wow. Well, we'll definitely put all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Angie, for like sharing all of your brilliance with us and also your personal story and like what you do. I think that'll be really, our listeners, we often get emails from parents that are like, we want more parent stuff. So I know that our listeners will be really um, appreciative of you sharing. Um, so that's, can I say one more plug, which is, Please. um, ACE inclusion, because I think that's really something that gets left out too. And there's just these couple of ideas that if like parents, educators, whoever's listening to this could like think about more when they talk to kids or about kids, I would just so love to see also shift, which is like those milestones, right? Those like first kiss, first crush, like expectations of who you might partner with or if you want to have kids, assuming that you will, whether or not you have said that you always want to be a parent, right? Like, like kind of like owning that that's up to everyone to decide for themselves. And one really easy switch I like for um, ACE inclusion and arrow inclusion is just like, if instead of when. So instead of saying when you have sex sometime, right? Like when you decide to like have a crush or get a boyfriend or whatever it is, you can say if, if someone decides, if someone starts having a crush, if someone experiences this, then maybe they want to explore this idea or maybe they want to bring in or ask these questions or make sure they're on the same page or, and that enforces consent 
and just the possibility that some people will never want to have sex or a romantic partner or get married or have kids, right? That like that language allows for people to write their own story and future and not feel like they're in the confines of someone else's idea of their mm. future. That's another one that, that I think is it relates to gender expansive ideas yeah. for sure, right? If you want to wear a dress, if you want to play soccer versus another sport, like that idea that we don't necessarily have to make all those choices for our kids, right? Yeah, I love that. Such a a, a small change that can mean like the world of difference. I love it. We need True. to have you on for, yeah. for part two. Right? <laughs> part yeah. two. Yeah. I feel like we just scratched the surface of like your expertise. So yes. you will be following up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Any last minute thoughts from either you, Angie, or you, Drew? Yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful for this. I, it's, it's been amazing. I just remember learning so much from you as a student teacher like when we were talking about anatomy and I was like still in my binary phase and I noticed you like removing gender from the anatomy and like I don't think I was quite there yet picking it up but you were you were already there <laughs> like way ahead and I feel like I'm still doing that um so I'm just grateful for to have this conversation grateful for your friendship grateful to continue to learn from you trailblazer Yes, thousand percent. Well, thank you so much for being on and thanks to all of our listeners for joining us and check out all the resources in the show notes and we'll see you all next time of Sex Ed in the City. Bye. Thank you. Bye everyone.